Proverbs chapter 18. Many of us are familiar with this verse. Verse 21, some of you have had it memorized. It says, death and life. Death and life. I want, I want you to hear this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That means, breaking it down, death and life are in the words that you speak. That you speak. You use your tongue to speak with your mouth. Death and life. That ought to be pretty important to us. Very important to us. Because I don't want to be using my mouth to speak death. Jesus came to bring life. Amen? Jesus came to bring words to set the captives free. Jesus came to speak words to calm the storm and bring peace. Jesus came to speak about the Father. He knew when to curse the fig tree. And the only reason he cursed the fig tree to bring it to death was because it was not producing fruit. So we want to be fruit producers. Life and death are in the tongue. So number one, I want you to remember, our words have tremendous power. I believe that our prayers, prayer is nothing more than talking to God when you're having conversations with him, when you're praying, when you're pouring your heart out, talking to him about life, when you're praying and asking him for something, I believe that those prayers and those conversations with God will begin to have more tremendous power, more power in the realms of heaven and the natural realm when we start guarding our mouth. When we stop using it for death and life. And we, the ratio becomes a lot more life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Are you seeing this on a graph, on a pie? So if you're 50-50 now on death and life or worse, Come on, let's get this thing up until it's 100%. Until it's not half a pie, it's three quarters. Then let's get it up to 100% that we're speaking the word of the Lord. We're speaking in agreement with what of how he thinks, how he operates. Blessing, life, amen? All right, I'm, I'm convinced that when we start doing that, we're going to be bringing a lot more grace to other people, just in our crowd. A lot more grace between husbands and wives and what they say to each other. Come on. He's going to be blessing our marriages. because, And it's not just what you say to each other in a marriage. I'm hearing this from the Holy Spirit right now. It's what you say about each other to somebody else about one another. I'm going to use that as an example. Come on. I'm going to talk about me. This word's been in my heart. The other day, I was talking with someone, and we were, we were taking a risk. And I identified it right in the conversation. And I kept saying, these are idle words. These are just idle words. You know, some of us would call it venting. We just got to vent about something. You know, we just got to talk to somebody about it. And I'm not saying that you can't talk to somebody about it, but I'm talking about the difference between talking to somebody about help me with this situation than venting and just blabbing on about it. Are you tracking with me? 
There's a difference. We can talk. We can get counsel. The Word tells us to get counsel. You know, it, it would be foolish not to get counsel or help. If you need help in a situation, you can talk about things. You can be honest before God. If you need to vent, vent to God. He can handle it. Do you follow what I mean? He can handle it. But I'm talking about just venting to one another and being silly about it. You know, just to get a little relief valve, get the pressure off. This stuff's been really bugging me. You know, it's stupid stuff. It's not going to end the world, but it's really bugging me. Why do I have to deal with this? You know, some things are not going to change. Do you understand? What I mean is it's the trivial stuff may not change. Some marriages end because somebody didn't put the cap on the toothpaste. Seriously, it starts with something that's small and then builds and builds and builds until the offense and the upset destroys everything and breaks communication and resentment. I mean, I'm serious. It can happen that way. So we don't even want to go there. We've got to watch because what your mind starts thinking about, it does, if you keep dwelling on it with your thoughts, the words follow your thoughts. And I was in a conversation last week with some of this venting going on, and it wasn't even, I mean, it didn't take me to the middle of it. It, it, it didn't last that long, but I'm just saying, I spoke out and said, these are idle words, these are idle words. And then we'd bounce off a couple more. These are idle words. These are idle words. We will account for it. And so when I went home and I knew this word was coming this week, I said, Lord, why didn't I just stop it? Why didn't I just follow with these are idle words? Let's stop what we're talking about. Do you hear me? Let's just stop. But sometimes we get on a roll with venting and we just don't want to stop. The reason is because we've been holding it in and we've been letting it almost, the enemy's been trying to get us to real anger about it over something ridiculous, really, in the sum of humanity and the cosmos. I mean, and it feels good to get it out. But see, we're not changing things when we vent. We're releasing idle words that aren't bringing life to the individual or the circumstance that we're talking about. Come on. And it usually is an individual or more or individuals surrounding a circumstance because, it, because that's the way the enemy works. He will trick you into getting that feeling of a release. Oh, I'm glad we call it, I'm glad I got that off my chest. Don't we? That's one of the terms, one of the terms we use. I kind of got that off my chest. Oh. And what I want to say is it can still give you the same feeling if you're actually in a counseling situation and you're trying to get help to just get it out there in front of you and look at it. But it's not the same as the venting that are just idle words. You know, in a counseling situation or really coming to someone for help in a situation, you're asking for help. And you're not asking just from that person that's helping you. You're asking from God, help me in this situation. I don't know how to handle this. Right? So we're still understanding where we are. Okay. Well, guilty. I'm guilty. Come on. Now, don't all of you sit around here and act high and mighty because I know you've had some idle words yourselves this week. Come on. That's why I'm being transparent to help you be transparent. To help you get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and then not walk away and forget who you just saw in the mirror. Okay? Just so we're set. All I have to do is repent. It doesn't make me, I, I'm, I'm no longer a bad person. Right, Sean? What I am is a child that saw something I shouldn't have done that wasn't God's best, that I knew a better way. I didn't follow it, and I go, God, forgive me. And, Father, I ask you to nullify 
every idle word. And why would that be important to me? Because Jesus said in red, if you have a Bible that has colors in it and you see red, I just want you young people to know if you have a Bible that has red verses in it, those are things that Jesus actually said. They're quotes. And Jesus himself told the disciples and anybody that was in the sound of his voice, you will account for every, every idle word. You'll account for it. That means you have responsibility for them. Right? You liking this? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm responsible for those crazy words. Ladies, scientists tell us that women talk a lot more than men. Any men? Can I get an amen from men on that? Uh, I don't know what the men's thing is, but probably twice as many a day do women speak. I don't know. It's just part of the way we're made, but we've got to get it out there. 28,000 at least a day is about the average of what women speak. 28,000. I don't know how many of those words are idle or descriptive or whatever, but if it's coming against what God says we should be doing, you know what I'm saying? How many words, I want you to think about this, because when, I've, when I was in heaven one time, I saw the libraries that are there. I've told some of you know me close enough to we've talked. There's lot, vast libraries in the heavenly realm. And today, with what we're talking about, why wouldn't there be? Because if every word I'm speaking is being written somewhere that I'm going to be responsible for, come on. So what I'm saying is if what I was doing the other day, we've heard this new term redacted because we hear this on news media about reports that they're getting, and so the names have been redacted. All that means is they're like blacked out. So if you read the document, you're not sure who they're talking about, right? But in my book in heaven, of all the words I've spoken, that's why I wanted to nullify those words. I wanted that blotted out. I asked God, Father, forgive me because I please forgive me. All he did is said, daughter, you surrendered your heart. You've obeyed me. You've accepted your responsibility. You've asked me to forgive you, and you know I do. I just don't want you doing it again. Right? And he loved on me because that's the way my father is. He wasn't there. I'm here with 20 lashes. You can't talk to the, you can't bring the word Sunday. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the way it is. We just go and we talk to God and we ask him to forgive us. And he says, I see the blood of Jesus. My son died for this sin. He died for it all. I receive you. You're restored. Here's my grace and here's my blessing. Amen? Make a way for somebody else. Amen. Let me go to the rest of my notes here. Um, there's over 170 times, you can Google this or whatever, find out for yourself, there's over 170 times in the whole Bible that it talks about our tongue and words and the use of it. 170 times, that's a lot. So that tells us how important it is that God wants us to know that. Um, The truth is, we all have problems with what we say. 
y'all say amen to that? I mean, come on. With what we're hearing here today, I want God to come and correct me. I want God to tell me what, if I'm doing something that's not pleasing him, I want him to show me what I should be doing. Because remember, we said life and death are in the tongue, right? I want to be moving in life because Jesus said, I am the life, I am the truth, I am the way. So that's why I go to him. We all have it. That's why the Bible talks about that so much. I want to tell you in James 3, chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, James said, he's talking about the tongue. He's talking about speaking. He said, take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Mm -hmm. Consider what a forest is set on fire by a small spark. We see it in media. We see it in Facebook. Young people go to school and they see what's done on Facebook or Instagram or or whatever whatever media they're using. Some of what has been said or written has caused people to commit suicide. Idle words. They just recently convicted a young woman of manslaughter, murder, because she was convincing her boyfriend to commit suicide. Instead of bringing life, she was bringing death and telling him, go ahead and do it. Then there's the bullies in our society who are using horrifying words. And we hear them being slung everywhere that bring people to the end, that cut people down, that hurt people. When I was growing up, there was a saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. I wanted to write a myth. That isn't true. That's a myth. Your words hurt me. Your words can hurt me. Your words can send me into a tizzy and hurt and pain and cause me to cry and have my heartache. Your words can make me feel small and nothing, right? That's what words can do to me. Yeah, bash my hand with a big rock. I can take the restoration process of it, but your words cause me more pain than that does, right? It hurts my spirit. It hurts my heart. It causes words can, that we can speak about someone can make them shake when it comes to who am I, meaning it can shake their identity, who they are, and set them into turmoil. I don't want to be part of that. I want to be a part of what Jesus would do in a situation to fix the situation. If I find out somebody's been hurt that way, then I want to come alongside of them and I want to help them. I had been so browbeaten and, and, and other things as a child that I became a very, I was so introverted and shy, I couldn't speak. The only time I could speak is if I saw someone getting the rough end of it. Somebody not getting justice. Somebody being manipulated and controlled or bullied. I could that's about the only thing I could speak in my young life is if somebody and I saw that happening and the injustice of it, I just something would rise up in my spirit and cause me to come alongside. I came alongside Shirley. She was about she was almost five eleven in the sixth grade. 
Shirley probably weighed 240 pounds. Shirley had oily skin and big pimples on her face. Her mother had tuberculosis, so everybody in town was afraid of Shirley and her family that it could be contagious because tuberculosis is highly contagious. and No cure for it. So she led a very withdrawn and isolated life. And the kids would mercilessly bully her and make fun of Big Shirley. But to me, she had the most beautiful blue eyes. And I got a campaign. And I went to a couple of my friends. Oh, and they would just make up stories that Shirley smelt. And Shirley didn't smell good. And her clothes were dirty. And blah, blah, blah. It was endless. And I said, I'm taking some money, and I'm going to go buy some perfume. I'm going to buy some jewelry. I'm going to buy a really nice hair barrette for Shirley. Whatever it takes, go to your jewelry box at home or whatever you've got. If you don't have money to buy something and we pool here together, we're going to get something for Shirley. And I went to Shirley's house. And she was afraid. She didn't know why I was there. I wasn't the most popular kid at school. My last name was King. K-I-N-G. Kathy King. The boys would chase me on the playground calling me King Kong. You know, you know how kids do. Come on. But I went to Shirley's house. And I started speaking with my words. And I had a couple of these friends. I said, we're going to have her at our lunch table when we eat lunch. Shirley's going to come over. And I don't care what anybody says or calls me. We have to be ready for this. We have to take a stand. We've got to help Shirley. And we did. And things started to change for Shirley. And Shirley started getting a new identity. I didn't witness Christ at that time because I didn't even know how to. But what I did witness was the love of Christ that was in my heart because of my own grandmother sowing seeds of the love of God in my heart. And I was able to speak words. You're beautiful. You have beautiful eyes, Shirley. I hope you like this. It wasn't you smell and I'm bringing you cologne. Are you hearing me? It was, I hope you like this perfume because we all loved it and we wanted it ourselves. But we, we went together and we bought this for you. We hope you like it. We wanted to bless you. I didn't use blessing as the term, but we hope, we hope you like it. And Shirley became our friend. At first she was afraid. She thought we were setting her up. We were setting her up for something worse. But then she knew it was real. And she started to relax and share her life with us. I don't know what happened to Shirley. I don't know. But I know what happened at that time. And it helped change her life. Isn't that where you want to be with your words? Not speaking with the other people? No. Speaking negatively is costly in the spiritual realm. while watching what we say can bring great rewards. I just told you about a rewarding story. Not necessarily for me, but for Shirley. I didn't even know I was going to talk about Shirley today. (laughs) He just brought the picture before my mind of how simple it is that we can, how we can change things. Nobody knew what was going on in my life. Nobody knew I was getting beatings all the time until I was unconscious. I'm talking as a little girl, as an 11-year-old, as a 12-year-old, as a 13-year-old. Guys, I didn't talk about that. You kept that stuff hidden in my day. But I knew what it felt like to be an underdog. And that made something rise up. I can take a stand, and I encourage you to do the same thing. 
Our words can be costly in the spiritual realm. While watching what we say can bring great spiritual rewards. And this is a story I shared this morning. There's a story in the Bible. It's about Jericho. It's a town in Israel. It was about a new day, a new day of change. Everything was about to change. And I only bring this up because today could be the new day for you and me together. This could be the day that you never go back to using your mouth for death. Come on. This could be the day. This could be the day for Israel in the story I'm telling you about, that they would stop their complaining, stop their whining, and get on with the plan of God because God said, I'm bringing you to Jericho. You're going to cross this river, and this is the first town you're going to take. I'm going to give you this. And they're like, what are you talking about? This is a great walled city. No army has ever been able to tear this place down. And these are people that are used to using idle words, okay? It's kind of been their history for 40 years. So what I'm saying is when a new day comes, there's no excuse. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Come on. Because God's word says all things are possible. We sang that in, somebody sang that in the psalm while we were worshiping this morning. So God said, I want you, okay, I'm going to give you strategy. Joshua's like, okay, well, how are we going to do this? We don't have any big armies. I mean, this is scary. How are we going to do this? You're going to do this? Yeah, I believe you. But how are we going to do this? And he says, this is what you're going to do. I want you all to go out. I want you to put the singers in the forefront of who you've got, and men, women, whoever is in this, and I want you to march around the city walls for six days in silence. Silence, not speaking one word. This victory used their mouth. This is their mouth. Yeah, a miracle. It is a miracle. Not one word. Six days of silence. Lonnie's smiling and laughing, chuckling up here. Kathy would have a hard time with five minutes, okay? You know what I mean? Come on. He's snorting. Ah! Even her sleep, she's snoring. She's making sound. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick you, Pastor Lottie. Watch out that. Those aren't words, but snorts count. Okay? Because they knew what you meant. Okay. All right. So we're having a little fun here, right? We can have fun. You know why? We're not in some religious building. You know what this sanctuary is about? It's about the living room of God, and he's right here with us, and we're here talking to him about life. And we're getting down to it, and we're not playing games. These aren't parlor games. We're getting down to what do you want me to do? Who am I? What is your plan for me? What is your purpose for me? Well, in this case, he told them to be quiet for six days. They could make sounds with their boots. They could do whatever. And they're like, how in the world is this going to take down? But we're going to do it. They obeyed. And the seventh day, Joshua gets up in the morning and he says, okay, God, what are we going to do today? And he says, today, today, there's going to be a shofar sound. And the trumpets are going to sound. And there you are going to tell the people to shout. And believe me, if you haven't spoken a word or said anything for six days, I bet you just can't wait. You know, this morning from, from up there on the platform, I said, come on, let's give a shout. Let's give a praise and amen to the Lord. And it was pretty pitiful. Because you've been talking too many words. It wasn't a very big one, but believe me, after six days, man, I bet those women were really shouting the loudest. I'm telling you, and men, you've got those war cries. But they had a great shout, and the Bible tells us literally it was so intense that the vibration of it continuing and, and nonstop that through miraculous happenings and their surrender and following God and doing everything he said, 
that the walls began to fall and crumble. They were falling down. Yeah, and now they were imploding. They were, they were, they were being destroyed. I get from traffic and big trucks going by my house or when they drop the big state plows right in front of my house on Route 14, boom. You've heard, you've heard a regular truck, but boy, when you get those big trucks on the highway and they drop that plow, boom, my house shakes. And we have cracks in our house because we have plaster walls. And there are cracks from it because of the vibrations. That's from one truck pile. What would the sound have been from over two to five million people? They counted the men. We, we got to add, you know, whatever the women and children could be. What would the sound of a shout like that be? What kind of a vibration would that be? In agreement with the trumpets being blown in heaven and all of heaven shouting with them, they're finally going into the promised land. Come on. There's a day when it happens. Hey, I'm here to say, and I told God this morning, can it be today? Why not today? Why not March 3rd, 2019? I get control of this tongue. Come on. I want to operate 100%. I'm not going to settle for 50-50. No. Do you understand? I don't want 75-25. I don't want 80-10. I don't want 95-5. I want 100%. I want to surrender my tongue. And I've already repented for you, but, but you, we will repent before we leave here today. You see, you are made in God's image. That's what the Word tells us. Father made you in his image, both male and female. You are made in the image of God. God spoke everything that there is into an existence. That's how powerful the spoken word is. The spoken word can create and it can bring down. Okay? Life or death, you're made in his image. Your tongue is made in the image of God. That's why there's 170 times it's mentioned about how you use your mouth in the Bible. We don't have time for 170 scriptures today. Look them up. You are made in the image of God. What you speak creates life or death. Do you understand this? You're made in his image. You're like him. You've been adopted into the family of God. If you've asked Jesus to come into your heart, to come into your life, if you don't know if there is a God or isn't, all you have to do is say, I don't know what's going on, but if you're real God, if there is a Jesus, if you're real, if you're Holy Spirit, I ask you into my life, will you reveal yourself to me? I don't know anybody that's ever prayed that prayer in earnestness and truth, not a parlor game, but earnestly wanted to know that he's ever not revealed himself to. I don't know of anyone. Uh, and, I'll, you know, and I've been around a while. Your mouth speaks declarations of his will, prayers in agreement with him. It changes atmospheres. Have you walked into somebody that's being negative? You don't even want to go visit people that are in Great Depression because it's really, you've got to be in God to start speaking against those darkness and heaviness or it's overwhelming. I don't want to be around people that are negative all the time. I don't. But if I have to be, I want to be the catalyst and use my mouth that will change the atmosphere. Amen? Amen? So your, your voice can change atmosphere. It can pierce the darkness with light. You can bless or you can curse and you can bring havoc or peace. And you can speak truth or you can tell lies. Which do you want? I don't want to be known as a liar. I taught my youngest child, Jed. I said, Jed, we're going to deal with this lying business really early in your life. 
I want you to go to the book of Revelation, and I want you to look up a scripture that says what happens to all liars. And the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, I will let you look it up yourself and Google it. It says all liars will find themselves in damnation and cast into the lake of fire. I said, I don't want that to be your outcome. There's nothing you can't tell me. Tell me the truth. I don't care how bad it is. Nothing will change how I feel about you. Nothing. I will not stop loving you. This is what I want to tell you. Go to Father. Go to God. Go to Jesus. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Go and tell them the truth. Come clean. He's not going to reject you. Be real. It feels so good to be real and truthful. Stop lying to yourself and deceiving yourself, first of all. You're not deceiving anybody but yourself. Just go to God. Talk about the situation. Say, I I don't want this. Show me the way out. And he will respond every time. So you can bring forth the kingdom of God with your words, your mouth, your tongue. I want to read this to you. When we walk and speak in the power of the Holy Spirit, we defeat the enemy. When we abide in Christ, his spirit flows from our lives in word and deed everywhere we go. At work, everywhere. It isn't about what you do on church Sunday. It's what you are 24-7 the rest of the time. When we enter a place where fear is evident, we can come in with the spirit of words and speak life to a situation. Amen? That's how powerful our words are. Our words can be kind and full of love. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruits of the Spirit. I just want to speak a few of them. Oh, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the last one is self-control. That's a fruit you can bear. We won't be able to go to God and say, well, I, I just couldn't control myself. I just have to do it. See, when I was talking last week, I could have controlled myself. I should have controlled myself but I belabored it a few more minutes. I don't want to wait. If God says jump, I want to do it. Are you following me? If he says run, I want to run. If he says stop, I need to stop with my words. Amen? So, These are the fruits of the Spirit that we all want to manifest. These are the things we want to do. These are the things we can talk to God. We can pray. We can just have a conversation with God about. In Proverbs 10, there are seven characteristics of the lips of righteousness. I would like to give them to you quickly, and I will close. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11, It says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. That means for you and me, our words can be a fountain of life. I want that. In verse 13, it says, Wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks judgment. Discerning lips. I'm going to discern what I'm speaking. I, I don't want any, uh, the rod on the back means a spanking, sort of. But, Lord, if I don't listen to you, this is just a sideline. (laughs) Go ahead, because you said that every son that you love, you chasten. 
So, Lord, if you didn't get me the attention the first time, come on back for more. I'm willing to be disciplined. Amen? I want to be disciplined by God and him to correct my ways. Verse 19 says, when words are many, ladies, when words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. He who holds his tongue, we can hold our tongue. Verse 20, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. It means that your mouth is like choice silver. Have you ever seen anything made out of silver? This is just the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. I've seen a few things that are just gorgeous. That's what God is saying about your tongue when you're using it the way he wants you to. Verse 21 says, The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of judgment. I want to nourish you. I want to nourish people with my tongue. If I'm talking about my husband and he's not in the room, Come on. I want it to be words that are nourishing him. Because words go out. There, if you think you're being quiet and nobody can hear you, <laughs> again, we deceive ourselves. Those words go out to do the work. Why? Because you were made in the, vi- in, in the image of God. And your mouth can speak and create situations. You know? I want them to nourish. If I'm talking about you, I want the same thing to happen. I want to speak good stuff. Amen. Verse 31 says, The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be cut out. That's scary. Our tongues can bring forth wisdom. Verse 32, the lips of the righteous know what is fitting, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. I want to know what's fitting. I want to know what's right at any given moment. So, as we sum up and we bring it to a close today, we can all say, we can all confess We can all say it today. We've all had moments when we need to watch our tongue and what we say. We just have to watch it. If we get caught up in a conversation. And now words, we can even speak by writing words. Do you understand? You can speak. We see, we call it hate speech, don't we, in the media today? And some of it is written words in our technology today. So when we speak positively, God blesses even in the midst of hardship, trials, or crisis. I shared the story with you last week. When I spoke something, I'm in that conversation that's on the negative tilt, what we call venting. We already talked. It's okay to vent to God. It's okay to go to counsel. It's okay to talk about something if you're really trying to do something about it. But just venting to make yourself feel better really doesn't solve the problem in any way, shape, or form. And if God starts convicting you of idle words, I spoke it. I said, wow, these are idle words. Idle words, idle words. But then I kept, I added a few more. I didn't stop it. You can take my example of what I should have done. 
first of all, I shouldn't have been involved in it. But if I got caught in it and the Holy Spirit is saying, these are idle words, you're going to be responsible. Jesus said, you'll account for every idle word, right? I, I could say, these are idle words. Oh, my gosh. This, this situation, this circumstance or circumstances, let's, let's pray about this right now. I could, and, and I could have just literally directed it and just said, oh, God, and not waited for an answer. And my first thing that I could have said was, Father, forgive me for my idle words. Forgive so-and-so for their idle words. God, forgive us for our idle words. Would you nullify those? Would you forgive us, Lord? Would you put the, I know the blood of Jesus is there to forgive me for all my sin. And Father, would you cleanse our tongues like when Isaiah saw God in the temple and the train filled the temple and then the angel came with a coal. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. And the angel brought the coal and touched his lips. Lord, Lord, I could pray, Lord, would you come and touch my lips and cleanse my lips and cleanse our lips, God, and give us wisdom now to speak. Give us words of blessing. Give us words of kindness. Give us words to speak into the situation. You said that we would have wisdom in, in some of these things. Like we just said, could, would you give us the word of God to speak? And we could have started speaking to the circumstance. We could start speaking to the individuals involved. Are you hearing me? We could change things by what we're speaking. Now he's nullified the negativity that we were caught finding ourselves in, the hopelessness. Will it ever change? Blah, 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 blah. No, it won't change until we speak something to change it. Because God said we can change atmospheres. Amen? So from my example, I can just tell you how you can do it. You can do it. We can do it together. We can do it together. So when we're going through adversity, we realize the tremendous power of our words. We can tell ourselves, I will watch the words that come out of my mouth. This is a chance to die to myself and live for Jesus. Amen? That's my prayer here today. That's my prayer here today for each one of us. If you hear me anywhere, I give you permission to tell me about it. I give you permission to interrupt so I can be convicted if I didn't get it. I want that. I want accountability. Uh, but I want accountability to you and us to one another, but I want accountability to Jesus, to Father, Holy Spirit. Come, let's all stand as we get ready to leave here today. Come, Holy Spirit, in the power of your fiery anointing, God. Come, Holy Spirit, in your convicting power, God, only to set us on the right path. God, would your Holy Spirit come with the anointings of fire? Would you burn up? <laughs> would you nullify all these words, God? We're just praying together as a people who are convicted of our sins with our mouth, Lord. And we're calling it what it is. And we know that we, we want to do better and we want to be vessels who speak life and not death, God. Help us. Would you forgive us? Thank you. Would you forgive us because of the blood of Jesus? Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus standing in for because our righteousness is as filthy rags, but your righteousness, Jesus, is perfect. And we come and we ask you to heal us, Lord, and nullify any words that went out and created worse things than we were even talking about. God, let us be quick to repent and follow you and do the right thing. And will you anoint our lives with a double portion of blessing when it comes to speaking life here. Lord, challenge us this week. 
if there's somebody we need to repent to, we don't have to go to every person, but if there's somebody really that we've done right face-to-face, God, in our words, Lord, help us go and repent and make things right. Let your forgiveness not just flood to us, Lord, but let it be relational, not only with you but with one another. We thank you, Father. We pray these prayers and these heart cries, God. We pray them in your name, Jesus. Your name above all names. And we give you praise forevermore. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood of Jesus and what you've done. And that today, March 3rd, 2019, is a new day to overcome and possess the promises that you've given us, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Before you leave, is uh, Zoe, is Chris back there? And then Brian. Brian's got something he'd like to share, but if Zoe and Chris had come up, because uh, we have a couple of birthdays that we need to be singing about, and uh, Brian's got something he'd like to share. Yeah. Um, lately in uh, social media and stuff, thoughts and prayers has been taking a hit from people. Like, thoughts and prayers, what are they going to do? Well, five weeks ago today, I came and asked for you all to pray for uh, Hunter and Crystal, his mother. Well, this, that boy was this close to dying at that particular point. The day before yesterday, he went home, and he... And she and she and she had his Superman suit on, so he was all set, you know. So I just want to say, from Crystal Hunter, her whole family, and from me, thank you, and thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hey, Sean, you got to take this because I got to be part of this group. Come on here.